This is Democracy on the Move. Democracy on the Move is a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it toward its original promise of democracy. This episode is being released on Sunday, September 4, 2022. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and thank you for joining us. In today's podcast, we'll talk with Adam Summer, one of the hosts at a popular podcast called The Heartland Pod. But first, a quick message from the League of Women Voters. You know, I found a great resource online from the League of Women Voters. It's called Vote411.org. Check it out. They have a wealth of nonpartisan information about the candidates and issues that you'll see on your ballot this November. Again, the address is Vote411.org. Also, check out Move to Amend. Move to Amend is an organization dedicated to passing a constitutional amendment to end corporate rule and the corrupting influence of big money in elections. Join Move to Amend and help create a movement toward a true democracy that serves all the people, not just the rich ones. You can find Move to Amend online at movetoamend.org. So today we're talking with Adam Summer, one of the co-hosts of the Heartland Pod, a series of podcasts that covers many angles of politics from a Midwestern progressive perspective. If you've ever listened to the Heartland Pod, you might think of Adam as sort of the anchor, you know, the glue that holds all the pieces together. But podcasting is not a full-time job for Adam. In fact, it's a completely a labor of love for him. His day job is as an attorney working out of Warrensburg, Missouri. Adam obtained his jurisprudence degree from the University of Missouri School of Law after obtaining a bachelor degree in political science from the University of Central Missouri. He hosts the Heartland Pod to, in his own words, bring attention to the issues facing folks not just in the biggest of the cities, but across the heartland. So, Adam, uh, thanks for joining us on Democracy in the Move, and uh, welcome to the program. Yeah, Dan, man, thanks thanks for having me. I'm glad we could make this happen. We've been kind of circling this for yeah. for a while. This is yeah. great. Well, we ran into each other, I think, last June 11th, I think it was, where you guys Yeah, you were at the live show. event. Yeah, that was cool, man. That was a really cool thing. Yeah, we're looking forward to doing more of that stuff. It's, it's uh, you know, as you know, the podcast stuff is a lot of work, uh, but boy, live shows, a yeah. lot of work in that. Oh, yeah. I, I it, And I, it, I was just going to start off with that, because I know that podcasting is, is, a, is not a trivial process. You know, it's I mean, anybody can grab a mic and record their voice and put it on the internet, just like anybody can write a book, you know, but to be really right. successful at it, you really have to devote some time and energy and sweat and you have to make some sacrifices on other parts of your life. You have, you know, I know you have a family and a law practice and I, and I know you like spending time with people. I heard you like cooking and entertaining yes. people. So, um, yes. so really, you know, doing a podcast is quite a sacrifice for you. So, um. Why do a podcast? What motivated you? So, you know, part of it was that I, I talk about this stuff anyway, and I read about this stuff anyway, and I figured recording it was probably a good use of time other than just yelling at the TV, mm -hmm. uh, you know. <laughs> and and on top of that, I, you know, my, my nighttime life 
I do have kids. They're young. Mm-hmm. And my wife's a school teacher. So during the school year, our schedules are such that we're up pretty early. Everybody's up and out the door pretty early. Uh, my wife is a big morning workout routine person. So she gets up really early. She goes to bed pretty early. So mm-hmm. by about 8, 30, 9 o'clock, the house gets pretty quiet. Uh, so, you know, And I'm not a big TV watcher anyway. So mm-hmm. I figure, what the heck? I got all this time. Why don't mm-hmm. I be productive with it? And uh, so I was just trying to find ways to be productive. So it was reading. It was playing music. It was uh, recording music. I like I like to play guitar and sing. So I was kind of doing some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Sean, uh, who's one of the co-hosts, Sean Diller, very good friend of mine, uh, he talked about starting a nonprofit organization to lift up voices and maybe do some voter registration and that kind of stuff. Uh, and so we had this big plan all concocted, ready to go. And that was March of 2020, mm-hmm. uh, which was, of course, when COVID hit. Right. And so we had Good this timing. big kickoff yeah. event. Yeah, we had this big kickoff event ready to go uh, in Columbia at Logboat Brewing. And I had written a speech for Sean. Sean was going to give the speech. We had this whole thing ready to rock and roll. And it was literally the like the day the NBA closed was the day that this was all supposed Whoa. to happen. Oh, man. So, yeah. So, like, we had the nonprofit in place. We, you know, we had this plan, and then it just went away. And we kind of circled it a little bit, and we're like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And so we tried our hands at doing some some kind of more video recording stuff for YouTube. And then, you know, we're like, man, that's a lot of work. Uh, and figured out that just doing audio would be easier. And so we just kind of did it. You know, we just said, mm-hmm. Let, let's just try it. Let's see if we can do it, if it's feasible, if it makes sense. And we just sort of went for, you know, for fun for a few months with another friend of ours, Zach, who was originally on the show with us. And uh, and then it turned out folks listened to it and it turned out we enjoyed doing it. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that sleeps five, six hours a night, most nights anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I'm already up. I figured, what the heck? Why not produce a podcast? But why a political podcast? I mean, what what motivated you in that area? Yeah. Um, I so I actually did a sports podcast first, not myself. I was on one with a friend, mm-hmm. uh, and to do, you know, we would record about an hour, hour and a half a week, and to record that hour and a half to be ready to do that show, I was doing so much prep work yeah i i like sports but these guys know sports in a way that kind of blows my mind and then i really i was like man for politics i don't you know for for me to do 30 minutes on politics give me a subject matter i don't even need to prep right Mm -hmm. i can do 30 minutes on politics i've got a degree in political science i'm a lawyer i pay attention to this stuff anyway Right. Just as part of my natural day to day. So it's all it's already baked in. So a lot of the prep work is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it went from, you know, to make a, an hour of content needing two, three hours of prep work to for an hour of content and really 30 minutes of prep work. I can put together enough details to back up what I want to talk about. Um, and so that's, you know, every week I make a show sheet. Uh, for our Monday show. And that takes about 20 minutes or so to just kind of plug everything in and make this sheet. Uh, And that's what creates our outline for the show. And it's got article links and everything under the sun. And it's really just stuff that I would have read all week anyway. Wow. So it's just sort of taking my day to day and turning that into a show, essentially. 
And that, that was the original gist of it. Obviously, it's grown since we've got more shows, there's more hosts, all that stuff. But right. that was the original gist of it. That's, you know, you, the reason why I say wow to that is because I'm the guy that has to spend like 10 hours of prep work for like one hour show. You know, yeah. this, I have to confess though, this particular show, I didn't prep that much. So I hope it doesn't show. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but I, mean, I don't think there's like, that much to prep on me. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, a lot of times I have to read a book or something like that. Like I'll, I'll interview sure. a book author and like, I don't want to be like, like just read the cliff notes or anything. I'll actually read right. the whole book. And if you consider well, that that's way time, different, that's, uh, like that's, that's way different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what's not just but, reading the book, it's, it's actually, you know, preparing the questions and things like that. It's, yes. That's. It, I think part of that is just that's so that's my day job, right? Mm-hmm. My day job is to read information and prepare questions. Mm, okay. So it's a skill that I've been doing for I've, I've been out of law school for a decade, over a decade now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even before then, I was doing. It's called mock trial is a is a academic exercise. Sure. I had done that for five years as well. Uh, going back, I did speech and debate stuff in in high school as in the, the the drama club stuff. So taking information and then creating off of it mm-hmm. is something I've been doing essentially for 20 plus years. And I've been doing it as a professional for a decade, you know, before I ever started doing this. So it was really just sort of an extension of what I normally do. Um, but definitely, you know, and I just, I just, we just recorded with David uh, Pepper from Ohio about his book, uh, Laboratories of Autocracy. And mm-hmm. yeah, that one took way more prep because I read, I hadn't read the whole book by the time I got to talk to him, but I had, I went through and skimmed it and then went back through and read it mm-hmm. and, you know, had read, read a good chunk of it before I got on the, on the mic with him. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's just one of those things, um, yeah. you know, you've, I've always been, Reading comprehension, I guess, right? That's just sort of a thing that has always come to me naturally, and so it yeah. just sort of made sense, I guess. But um, what do you? What's your main message then with this with the Heartland? I mean, it's called the Heartland hmm. Pod, and we'll talk yeah. about the pod shortly here. But um, the Heartland Pod, why the Heartland? Is it's you know it's flyover country, right? But I mean, is it? Right. Do you feel that there is maybe the Heartland is being shortchanged somehow or another? Oh, totally. Yeah, Yeah. totally. That was actually, uh, Sean actually originally had named the organization. It was Heartland Strong. Mm -hmm. And so we were going to do the Heartland Pod as the spinoff of that. And we eventually separated the two organizations completely because we realized they didn't, it wasn't wise to have them together Mm -hmm. um, and gave the organization to some some friends and, and kept doing the podcast. But the Absolutely, I think the Heartland is being shortchanged in just about every way. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a big podcast consumer, mm-hmm. and so uh, I've listened to you know Pod Save America. Right when that came out, I listened to it a ton, mm-hmm. and I've listened to all of Jason Kander's pods that he's done, and you know some other political podcasts, Five Thirty Eight, NPR, and I just kept finding the same theme over and over and over and over and over again which is that if it's national in scope, you can find a show about it. Right. But if it's, if it's about the Midwest, you're probably not going to find anything about it from anybody who really truly cares about it. If you're hearing about it, it's from somebody who's, they're almost talking about it. Like it's a, like it's an oddity. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, wow, did you know that it's like this out here? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. We yeah. live here. Lots of us live here. Yeah. 
That's interesting because, you know, the, the heartland is actually, in a sense, when it comes to presidential elections, they're actually more powerful than either the coasts. Right. And it's a kind of a running joke with me, but I always said that if you want, if you're living in California and you want to vote three times for president, all you got to do is move to Wyoming. You know, right. you, <laughs> right. you know, you have three times as much voting power there. So uh, yeah. it, it's an important part of the country. And I think that, uh, you know, it, from what I heard anyways, Hillary Clinton sort of ignored it to her peril. Right. She skipped over the heartland. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I've done that math before, actually. I used to... Uh, so way back when, so when I was in law school, I, I decided I did not want to be on one of the journals. I didn't even, I didn't want to do that kind of writing work, but I still wanted to write because I wanted to get better at writing because uh, mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at talking. I was never much of a writer. And so I started writing a political blog uh, that is defunct. And I don't even think the website exists anymore um, called The Pursuit. And it mm-hmm. was really just sort of, presidential politics was really the the gist of it um and it, i i had taken a class in undergraduate in 2008 in the fall of 2008 i took a class called the presidency mm-hmm. with a very good professor named dr jim staub at university of central missouri uh and so i happened right to be in this in-depth class about the presidency during the fall of the barack obama john mccain Right campaign, and right. so it became this real obsession mm. of understanding the origins of the presidency, and you know, the campaigns of the presidency, and just all of the minutia that went into it. And it be, it became something I really cared about, and so I started writing about that, and I started doing predictions on that. And uh, I had actually the last real thing I had written about, uh, I had written before Trump ever declared. This was 2015. I had written that the Republicans needed to nominate Chris Christie because he could talk tough to Hillary Clinton, and that was the only way they were going to win the election. And then they went and nominated, you know, Trump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trump. Yeah. Uh, same kind of idea, but you know, different path. Yeah. Um, and then I had written. You mentioned Wyoming. That's why I, I thought about the blog. I had done the math. I went through mm-hmm. and figured out what the electoral vote should be in every single state to have it properly apportioned for population. Sure. And, uh, you know, and some states didn't change. Like Missouri doesn't really change. Uh, Wyoming obviously goes way down. California goes up. New York goes up. Florida goes up. Texas goes up. Right. Uh, so I had done I had done that kind of math uh, as well. But, yeah, it, it really is all just it's, – it's a bit of an obsession of mine. Um, and, then it, and then it was sort of sparked in 2018. Uh, we're coming up on the four-year anniversary in October of my daughter's diagnosis with Rett syndrome, this uh, genetic disorder that she has. And that sort of sparked some stuff uh, dealing with her, dealing with the healthcare system, dealing with getting her uh, the care that she needed, the inclusivity at school. Just just all of those things suddenly came crashing down in a new way. Mm-hmm. And they were things I cared about and was conscious about, but it just it became tangible to me. And uh, people started saying, my, my, like I said, my wife's a teacher. And so we had to navigate this new system. Right. And it was very confusing at times. Uh, and at some point in time, I basically had to sit down with somebody from a state program and cross-examine them at the kitchen table mm-hmm. because they weren't mm-hmm. doing their job. Wow. And so we had to get their boss on the phone and go through their regulations and say, you said this, this, and this. Your regulation says the opposite in all three of those places, right? And this is why you've denied us what you are supposed to give us, and, and that it shouldn't be that way. 
And so we would kind of tell that story a little bit and people would say, well, she's so lucky to have the two of you as parents. And it finally just sort of slipped out of my mouth one day and I went, yeah, but it shouldn't matter. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Yeah. It shouldn't matter. So should that's, that's a yeah. big part of the drive. Yeah, okay. So the Heartland Pod has been going now for what, uh, two plus years now? Somewhere in that yeah. area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and your listenership has grown. So uh, what's the long game for the Heartland Pod? In your vision? Well, that's a good question. Um, I try not to think about that other than continuing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we're having fun. Uh, we have a really good group of folks. Um, Rachel sort of dropped out of the sky and really uh, has been awesome to, to get to work with and to get to know. Uh, adding Kevin on the Friday shows for the Flyer Review uh, has been fantastic. It was something that I had in my head, and it's just been so great and then adding in nicholas and christina and sean doing a show about colorado and you know i would love there's certainly a version where i'd love to see the heartland pod as sort of the center of a broader heartland network where we have a show that's based in about missouri about iowa about illinois about wisconsin kansas right and and have that sort of like the state's newsroom has where the Missouri, folks in Missouri are probably familiar. If you're listening to this show, you're definitely familiar with the Missouri Independent right. um, yeah. <laughs> website. Well, they're part of a broader thing called the state's newsroom. And there are websites very similar to the Missouri Independent in many different states around the heartland. And so I could see a network like that um, for sure where we have – separate shows that are dedicated to that. And then we have that Heartland pod sort of centerpiece for, you know, sort of the broader picture stuff. Yeah. I like listening to your shows on Wednesday when you get together with uh, Rachel and uh, with Sean. Uh, mm-hmm. Rachel just cracks me up, I swear. I, I, was, I, was, <laughs> I had a lot of, I was really privileged to spend some time with her uh, in, when you guys had that live event in, in June. And, um, boy, she's, she's quite entertaining. Um, yeah. You tell your children to never repeat what Aunt Rachel says. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she she's very good. They were here for the Fourth of July celebration, and uh, uh, she's she's a sweetheart. I mean, she really is. Her husband's the one of the sweetest people I ever met in my life, and uh, she's just she's fantastic to have around. And uh, you know, like I said, Sean's one of my oldest friends in the world, so I like to joke that our show is really. A, a smart lady talks about politics while Sean and I tell jokes in the background. Uh, that's sort of <laughs> that's sort of the gist of our Monday show, because Rachel is she's incredibly smart uh, and she she knows the issues. She knows, yeah. and and she's got she's got that nose right. You know, there's yeah. something about politics that you just you yeah. got it or you don't got it, and yeah. she's got it in spades. And, uh, you know, she's just got a good ear for it. And uh, and she's a hell of a writer. She's yeah. just a very good writer. So, yeah, it's it, she's a ton of fun to work with. Good, good. So moving toward, like, maybe just politics for uh, getting away from Heartland Pod or, or setting aside Heartland Potter for the moment and just seeing what your view of politics is when you look at what's going on in America these days. What, what do you think is the future of America? I mean, are we... A lot of people get kind of dark. I can get that way sometimes too, but just start looking yeah. at the news and just, oh my God, this, this, and this. And I have to you know, try to remind myself to remain optimistic because we've been yeah. through worse in this country. 
It's been quite a yeah. while since we've been through worse. But where do you think we're heading right now? Is it autocracy, corporatism, yeah. fascism, theocracy? I mean, what what are what is your sense of uh, reading the tea leaves? Well, I, I definitely think there's folks who want all of those things mm-hmm. um, in different formats. The, the theocracy thing has scared me for a long time. Uh, I grew up Southern Baptist uh, and, you know, it's it's not a it's not hyperbolic, right? It is not hyperbolic to say that there are people who absolutely think that their role is to alter the government so that the government's rules and laws reflect their religious beliefs mm-hmm. to bring about the religious end that they seek. Yeah. Uh, and it is fatalist and it is based on death. And it's a scary proposition. I also don't think that there's that many of those people who actually want to have the ability to take it as far as they would like to take it. Um, I I am, I'm a pragmatist uh, and a realist. And I didn't know that until a few years ago. Um, I was reading a book uh, by Richard Rorty Mm -hmm. uh, called the uh, future of leftist thought in America. And I was basically, I was talking to my law partner about something. I don't even remember what it was. And uh, he said, oh, you must have just read so-and-so's book. And I said, I never heard of it. Don't know what you're talking about. And he said, well, it sounds like you're quoting it. And I was like, all right, cool. So <laughs> he sent it sent it to me and I read it. And it was, uh, I said this to David Pepper about his book. I have every once in a while this will happen. And it happened with this book that was written in like 1998, by the way, this book as you read it right now, you will think it was written in the second year of Trump's presidency. Really? It was okay. written in 1998. It's mind boggling. And as I'm reading it, I'm just like, am I writing this as I'm reading it? Like, it's like the words are pouring out of my head Wow! as I'm reading the book. Cause it's just exactly where my head is at. It's exactly what I've been thinking about and it's pragmatism. Uh, and it really is just, basically taking a look at society and saying, okay, what's the best thing, right? It's very Kant based, right? Utilitarianism. What's the best thing? How do we get to the best thing? Is there a way to get to the best thing that doesn't hurt people in the process? Mm-hmm. Then that's the path we ought to take. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's not the past of path of least resistance. It's the path of least harm mm-hmm. and most good. And, and it's the ability to put aside partisanship when that is possible. When when you can do something good, it shouldn't be based on your partisan bent or partisan belief. Uh, it, I, it really is what it comes down to. The problem with that in current society is that I do not believe that most of the Republican Party is – a good faith political party any longer. I mm-hmm. think there are still good faith. There are still Republicans who are, right. there are still Republicans who are lamenting the loss of their party and, you know, are going to remain Republicans. And and there's, those are folks that I can work with and deal with, but there is a large portion of the Republican party that has abandoned that completely. Yeah. And it, it's hard to see where that goes. But you made the point, and you're exactly right. This isn't new. This isn't the worst it's ever been. Uh, it has been worse than this, in fact. Yeah. Uh, and you know anybody who's spent time, 
I encourage folks in this day and age to go back to the end, the second half of the end of and the 10 years immediately after the grant administration mm-hmm. and really dig in because it was bad. Yeah. It was really, really, really bad. It was the political animosity was insane. The corruption was insane. Uh, you know, we had folks during the grant administration down in states like Mississippi, Alabama, right? We had ex-slaves going to Congress. We had more black voters than white voters. We had, you, you would not recognize it compared yeah. to what it looks like today from a voting rights standpoint. Yeah. And that all changed, right? Over a 10 to 15 year period, that all changed. Yeah. And it was violence and it was voter intimidation, voter intimidation and all this horrible stuff. And it's the kind of stuff that if it happened right now, there were federal troops stationed in, in these states, in major cities, federal troops to make sure that people could vote yeah. right under the grant administration. You imagine that? You imagine a thousand federal troops coming to St. Louis to make sure that people could vote? Yeah. That's incredible. But, <laughs> that, but that disappeared thought. right afterward. Like you say, right after the grant administration, that disappeared, right? The yes, Jim Crow laws came in because I understand that there right. was, I think you're right, it was the state of Mississippi, I believe most voters were black at mm-hmm. one point mm-hmm. and, and it dwindled down in a, yeah, like you say, in a span of about 10 years, it was less than right. 1% after, after 10 Well, they, years. you know, they passed the, the poll taxes and then they'd, you know, the literacy tests, right? But then there would be enforcers so that you couldn't go take the literacy test. And so then, and then they go, well, nobody, nobody comes to take the test. They yeah. must not want to vote. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. like it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the, the answer I I that I have is that I don't think that we're going anywhere uh, as a country. I think that I think it's really easy for folks to become small picture thinkers in a much bigger play. Uh, and I think I think it's the reason that I that I enjoy doing the podcast and the reason I enjoy getting to talk to so many people is uh, it's a really good reminder uh, that I really don't matter at all. Like I'm pretty incredibly insignificant, not just in the political scheme of things, but in general. Mm-hmm. Right. We are these blips on the radar for this tiny period of time that we're here. And depending on what you believe, uh, you know, the 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 random end of nothing right <laughs> that, that floating on this ball through an expanding zone of nothing uh out you, into an just, infinite you've nothing. just de- depressed me even more right now thank you very much <laughs> think about right. that when so, i go to sleep tonight <laughs> but like you know the perspective of going okay yeah is the country changing are we going through a metamorphosis yes is change hard? Yes, it always is, right? Change is difficult. I do I do a lot of divorce work. Guess what? Getting divorced is really hard because mm-hmm. it's got a lot of change and it's very stressful for folks. So is starting a new job. So is moving to a new house. So is having a kid, right? So is having a major medical problem. Change is difficult. We're going through a change right now. And as a result, you know, we can point the finger and say it's Trump, 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 Trump. Trump is the end result of of a ton of stuff, right? right? Trump, Trump is an outcome. Trump is a symptom. Trump is not a, a cause here. Um, yeah, his current legal stuff is totally different. But <laughs> like the, the, the Trump presidency was an outcome. And 
because of it, you know, sometimes bad things have to happen sometimes, yeah. right, for us to to do that. Uh, I, I have started this past year riding the bicycle, riding a stationary bike, uh, and exercising much better and drinking more water and all that stuff. Well, last year, I felt really unhealthy, and I had you know, some really bad days, and I felt, you know, I, I hit a point where I had to change something. Mm-hmm. But that had to happen, right? Right. It had to happen for me to change it. And I think as a country, we're in that zone right now. I, I hope we've hit rock bottom. I hope. Yeah. I hope that's what we've just experienced is is the bounce of rock bottom. Yeah. I don't know. There could be more to go, but that that's that's my hope is that we've hit rock bottom and we're on our way back up. But guess what? I'm young enough. I'm 37. Odds are, I'll see it again. <laughs> well, <laughs> I hope I not. Go. Yeah. I hope not. Well, the thing about this kind of change, you know, you, you were talking about uh, uh, people wanting to bring bring in a uh, theocracy, bring in the second coming and things. I mean, it was, yeah. I don't know if you read that article by Josh Hawley. It was called, um, oh, yeah. Amenitize the Eschaton, something of that nature, that he wrote yep. 10 years before he became senator. And he laid it out yeah. very clearly that this is what he is after, you know. and Absolutely. You know, the only thing I can hope for is that we do something like Section 3 of, of Amendment 14 on them at some point for raising that fist and giving aid and comfort to insurrectionists because, honestly, I don't know. Uh, and that lead, dovetails to another question I have, too, related to this, is um, the Midwest, uh, the heartland, uh, has this rap for being, you know, racist. Uh, I'm just I'll lay it out mm-hmm. there, being racist, being, you know, rednecks and so on. But, you know, when I deal with people in Missouri here, yeah, you you see that element uh, and you see these guys in their trucks uh, saying Trump won 2020 and so on. But that's more the exception. I I don't really think that we are necessarily seeing blue dots in a red state. But I just wonder if if progressivism itself um, is really more widespread than what we originally thought. And I don't know what you're seeing at, at the Heartland Pod there. Are you seeing... I mean, I don't want to sound naive or anything, but it, it's not as bad as I think a lot of people make it out to be. What's your sense on that? No, I think that's right. Um, I, I hate the phrase blue dot red state. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, 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 I so incredibly dislike that phrase uh, because it is isolationist in and of itself. Yeah. Um, it, it is, it's like saying there's no hope, I'm alone. Yeah. And you're not, right? I mean, you and I, independent of one another, we have never met each other before very recently. Completely independent of one another, we started podcasts about democracy and politics in the state of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Right? Totally independent of one another. Jason Kander's here in Missouri doing it out of Kansas City on a national level. Uh, Sarah Kenzior in St. Louis, right? She wrote View from Flyover Country and Hiding in Plain Sight. She's got a podcast. Uh, that that looks at political things. There's one down in the Ozarks called Hoot and Holler Pod. There's I just learned about one in Tennessee called the the Tennessee Holler. Uh, there's there's one uh, I think it's based out of uh, Illinois. That's the Pro Left podcast. There's one in Iowa. There. This is not unique. Yeah. Right. There are other shows trying to do similar things to what both of us. Uh, you're obviously our shows are different in certain ways. But we have a lot of the same guests, right? We talk about a lot of the same stuff. Uh, why is that, right? Why? Because we're not alone. We're not blue dots. Uh, it's just that we are in a we're in a state that has segregated itself politically in a mm-hmm. in a very big way, 
Um, so yeah, the fact that I'm in a county that votes right now about 60% Republican, 60, 65%, depending on the, the election. And, you know, if you go not that far to my West, you wind up in Kansas city where it's 70% Democrat. Yeah. So it's not that I'm a blue dot. It's that I've chosen to not segregate myself based on politics. Mm-hmm. I don't feel a need to do that because it's not as bad. My my neighbor, it's on one side of me, uh, really, really nice guy, really nice guy. And one day I was having trouble with my lawnmower. Uh, I don't I don't even know what it was. I couldn't tell you what it is. I don't know anything about lawnmowers. I just know I like I like being on my riding lawnmower listening to my podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pull the cord and it works. It takes you around the yard. You drink a beer and cut the grass, right? Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, so I was having trouble, whatever, whatever was wrong with it. And he, and I have a headphones and I didn't even see him come up, but he came up to help me out. He had his, you know, machine to check if the battery was charged, right. He had some tools with him. I didn't even ask him, right. He just walked over to help out. He had him to be on his back porch and could see me, uh, you know, dealing with it. He's wearing a shirt. Okay. And on the shirt is a, is a round of ammunition mm-hmm. and, and under it, it says just the tip. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. If you see that guy coming to you down the street, you might not want to interact with him. But you know, I don't even know where the guy got the shirt. I don't care, right? He came over to help me out. I don't care what's on his T-shirt. And I think that's the thing that bugs me the most with the blue dot red state thing and with the sort of segregating folks based on politics is if, you, if you're not willing to talk to that guy, Right. You're never going to learn anything about him. You're never going to know anything about him. And that, that I think is what has made me able to do this is my law practice. I, there is no politics in my law practice, right? It doesn't, it doesn't do you any good. My religious belief, my political beliefs, my favorite sports team, my favorite beer, my favorite, whatever, none of it makes a difference on whether or not I can help you in your legal case at all. So I talk with folks from all across the spectrum, you know, economically, politically, socially, you name it, I've dealt with them. And what you come to learn is we all have the same problems. We all have the same needs and desires. We just don't see the same solutions all the time. Right. And that's okay. Now, there's a difference between that and violent overthrow of the government illegitimately for installation of an, you know, autocratic dictatorial type leader, that's not the same thing uh, as having a disagreement on solutions. Um, but, but, you know, that's, that's sort of the point is like, it doesn't bug me, you know, if he likes guns enough that he wants to wear that shirt, that's fine. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean that I have to, and it doesn't make his opinion illegitimate. It doesn't make it wrong or bad. It just makes it different. Yeah. But I think there there is a lot, oftentimes there is this sense of righteousness, right? And it, it comes oh, from yeah. the left and from the right, you know, it, it comes from both Absolutely. sides where you get out toward those extremes and the left thinks that they're correct all the time. The right thinks they're correct all the time. And and with, with uh, social media the, being what it is these days and uh, radio being what it is and, you know, the, the, the news networks are now segregating themselves. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it drives us into this artificial separation. No, it it absolutely does. Um, and I really don't like it. Uh, I really don't like the artificial separation. Um, I think people need to turn off, turn off cable news completely. Mm -hmm. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, turn it off. I, I, I think, 
don't get me wrong, Fox News is far and away. And again, it goes back to this thing of like both sidesism, right? I'm not trying to both sides of this argument. Fox News is the worst. They are the mm-hmm. biggest culprit. They they're the model, right? They did it first. They do it worst. They 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 have zero journalistic integrity, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. MSNBC has a lot more actual reporting going on, a lot more actual journalism going on. But to pretend that their evening shows aren't also full of opinions is disingenuous, right? Their opinion shows, their news magazine shows. Now, their opinions might be based on more facts and they may have more information to back up their opinions. And so that does make them more valid opinions in general. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't make the model different. Right. If we simplify it out to being a model of persuasion, it's the same thing both ways. The difference is one of them is using facts and information and the other one is making shit up. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> and that's, yeah. And that's yeah. a really big problem. Um, but 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 it, even though even there, they're still opinion based shows. And so when we start replacing whether it's on the left or the right, when we start replacing facts with opinions, we get into a real conundrum, yeah. a real problem, because I don't care where your opinion's coming from, what side it's coming from. If your opinion is going to trump my facts, then we're never going to be able to agree. Right. Yeah. But it, it's it's also more than just facts, though, right? I mean, I've often said facts alone is not enough. It has to have context right. with it. And it has to have, sure. uh, you know, a sense of reasonableness with it as well. So, um because that's that's where you can you can see certain facts being extracted and taken out of context and say, well, that's what right. uh, that's what the Bible says, so it must be this way. And like, dude, the very next verse says just the opposite. So, you know, you got to right. look you know, look at the whole picture here. Anyways, we do need to wrap this up soon. Um, I want to just uh, find out uh, what can people do to uh, to tune in to Heartland Pod and maybe get involved and buy a T-shirt or something like that. What's uh, what's going on with Heartland Pod? Yeah. Uh, yeah, heartlandpod.com uh, is the easiest way. There's links to pretty much everything you can find at heartlandpod.com. Uh, we've got a, a Patreon page for folks who, uh, you know, if they want to support our shows, they can do that financially over there. Um, you know, it's basically money to pay for hosting, right, website hosting, that kind of stuff that makes it so we can be online, uh, help us. You know, our goal is to get enough monthly income at some point to be able to have somebody who can do some editing mm-hmm. that we can pay to do some some work for us because uh, that would really unlock, I think, from a content standpoint. But, uh, but yeah, heartlandpod.com, at the heartlandpod on Twitter, uh, and then we're on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. If you search the Heartland Pod, uh, Scott Fawn, if you're listening to this, it's the Heartland Pod, not Heartland Pod. That's a completely different thing altogether. Uh, or like Ohio State University over here, the Heartland Pod. If you search the Heartland Pod, you will find us uh, or go to heartlandpod.com and you'll find everything about us there. The is known as the definite article, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I'm a bit of a grammar Nazi. Good. So we've been talking with Adam (laughs) Summer, one of the co-hosts at the Heartland Pod, a podcast for the Midwest, for the Heartland. Adam, thank you for joining us at Democracy on the Move. Dan, thanks for having me, man. You've been listening to Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its original promise of democracy. Please tune in each week where we will feature guests and topics that will keep you in touch with our march toward a more perfect union. 
Up next week, we'll be talking with the ACLU regarding recent changes to election laws and how they plan to challenge certain aspects of the laws. If you have any questions or suggestions, or if you'd like to sponsor future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Just send us an email at info at democracyonthemove.org or contact us on our webpage at democracyonthemove.org slash contact. Democracy on the Move is all one word. Theme music, Murky Waters, performed by El Rey Music, used under license from Shutterstock. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. Please have a safe week ahead, and we hope you'll tune in again next week. <music>